Here we are again. Welcome to Conversations with Relevant People. This is another episode where it's a conversation with myself. I'm Steven. I'm the host. Today, we're going to be talking about Bob Ross. Why Bob Ross? Well, to be honest, I just did a project in a different class on Bob Ross. I learned a lot about him. I figured I'd talk about what I learned as well as the 16-page paper I wrote. So Bob Ross. Ross obviously is well known as a television artist who gained popularity, I would say, well, his popularity was revived in the COVID times because Hulu and some other networks, YouTube, they all were highly promoting his work because everybody was stuck at home. And there's a lot more to him, some surprising things, and he's a little bit more of a intricate person than I thought he would be, to say the least. He's been crossed by multiple people, and I'm sure that did not help him much at all. So, I don't really know what I just said, but we're going to continue on. I'd also like to mention that I've really like the idea of having a natural, no cuts, just straight conversation, try to do it all in one take as best I can podcast. And I'm going to try to do that as efficiently as possible, I guess, in this episode. So we'll see uh, how that turns out. Do no intro music, just a conversation. Like the title of the podcast. All right, here we go. So Bob Ross was born in Daytona Beach, Florida on October 29th, 1942. Uh, He spent the majority of his young adult life in Orlando, Florida, where his father worked as a carpenter. Now, growing up, Ross spent uh, a good majority of time learning the craft of carpentry from his father, and he began to, that's where he kind of, started with his love to do things with his hands. A little interesting, slightly, well, not really morbid because nobody died, but it's a weird fact about his carpentry carpentry career. He actually lost a portion of his left index finger while working on a project with his uh, father. It did not, however, impact his ability to hold any of his supplies later in life. So look at that. There you go. In addition to the handiwork that he did as a carpenter, he also had a deep love for small critters and animals, especially the ones that inhabited his backyard growing up. I can relate. I love little animals and small creatures. I have a picture of him right in front of me right now holding a baby raccoon in his hand, and oh, how I wish I could also have that raccoon in my hand, but here I am without one. He would uh, film the animals that were in his backyard, and he'd care for their injuries. Most notably, he raised a baby alligator in the family bathtub as a child. He kept his love for animals and this hobby, if you will, throughout his entire adult life and would include uh, animals in the paintings that you saw in Joy of Painting, his television show. 
He uh, very rarely, however, included humans or even the hint of human existence in his art. Uh, he had the occasional log cabin, but usually in those paintings where there was a log cabin or a structure, it resembled an abandoned structure. So maybe there's something more there. Uh, Ross was an avid outdoorsman. He was not a academic person, if you will. He dropped out of high school as a freshman and uh, promptly enrolled into the, well, enlisted into the United States Air Force, where he started a 20-year military career. He eventually rose to the rank of Master Sergeant. Uh, he spent the majority of his time at Eilson Air Force Base in Alaska, where he was a first sergeant at the base clinic. So at the start, he just kind of was a desk jockey and handled all the paperwork in the clinic. And then he eventually uh, started to have a hand in uh, basic training and became the one that was shouting at people and telling them what to do. I have a quote from him. It says, I was the guy who makes you scrub the latrine, the guy who makes your bed, or makes you make your bed, the guy who screams at you for being late to work. Uh, and he, he didn't really enjoy that part of the military. Uh, actually, when he left the military, he noted that he would no longer raise his voice like he did there. He kept a nice, chill attitude, much like I'm trying to have here, to reflect his mentality. Oof. <laughs> the military was not all negative for Bob Ross, though. Uh, Ileson Air Force Base was the location where the Florida boy saw snow and mountains for the first time. These mountains would frequent many of his pictures. Uh, he has a notable painting of Mount McKinley that debuted in The Joy of Painting in Season 1, Episode 2. He was introduced to art in general by the Air Force's USO Club. Uh, they offered a painting class, and he attended. He uh, didn't really enjoy the class necessarily, though. He uh, very famously noted that they would tell you the color theory and the composition, uh, composition behind making a painting, but they wouldn't tell you how to paint a tree. They would tell you the theory behind it, but not how to do it. Uh, despite his animosity towards the theories behind his class, he uh, progressed and continued. He started painting Alaskan scenes on old gold panning tents, which he stole, sold to tourists at his side job, which was a tavern. This tavern was also where he was introduced into the television show The Magic of Oil Painting, which was hosted by William Alexander. This show, strangely, is very, very, very similar to The Joy of Painting. But we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, Bill Alexander was known for the wet-on-wet -wet technique that uh, Ross would later become known for. And in 1981, Ross retired from the military and turned his focus towards art. He moved back to Florida and began studying under Bill Alexander. 
while he was studying under Bill Alexander, he began working for his company, the Alexander Magic Art Supplies Company, as a tutor and a salesman. He would go around and teach classes. Alexander now has quite some disdain for Bob Ross. Uh, from Alexander's perspective, Ross took everything that he built and made it as his own, leaving him in the shadows. Alexander also has claimed to have coined Ross's famous catchphrase, Happy Little Trees. No matter how the viewer sees it, there are remarkable similarities between Ross and Alexander's man mannerisms, business structure, and painting style. A little bit of history about the technique that Ross and Alexander used. Again, it is a style called wet on wet or alla prima. The style of painting allowed Ross to complete each work at a relatively quick pace. He would add to the painting before allowing the paint to dry. When painting in this style, the artist applies many layers. The upper layers are thinner than the lower layers, and the artist touches the canvas very lightly as they continue to add to the work. Some well-known artists that had used this style, not all the time, but they had used it at some points, were Claude Monet, Vincent van Gogh, and Willem de Kooning. Hopefully I pronounced that correctly. All right, let's talk about Bob Ross's first story of betrayal here. Unfortunately, it's come to that time. So while Bob Ross was teaching under Bill Alexander, he was approached by one of his students, Annette Kowalski. Uh, she was a grieving mother who had just lost her son, and she convinced alongside uh, Bob Ross, alongside her husband, Walt, uh, who was a newly uh, retired CIA operative, uh, they convinced him, Bob Ross, to uh, form his own company, uh, to leave Bill Alexander behind and create something on his own. Uh, there were some rumors that later emerged that there was some sort of affair that was going on between Annette Kowalski and Bob, but the Kowalski family completely denies all of these allegations. Just like his relationship with Bill Alexander, the Kowalski partnership eventually went south. Uh, Bob was not one to use his self-work or uh, or to use his work or self-image for monetary gain. He did uh, joy of painting for free, and uh, he solely sold like art supplies and things to help artists continue their work. He didn't sell merchandise with his face on it. The Kowalskis, however, wanted to do all of that. They wanted to take his name and make it ten times bigger. Uh, most, well, I don't want to say most famously again, but most infamously, I guess, while Ross was on his deathbed, the Kowalskis began, uh, became to, uh, be very aggressive towards the Ross family. Uh, they pushed very hard to have Ross sign over his estate rights before he died. Instead, he wrote them completely out of their will and left his estate and the rights to his name and likeness to his son, Steve. Although Ross signed everything over to his son, the Kowalskis did not stop their pursuit. Upon his death, his shares were distributed, leaving the Kowalskis in sole control of their company. However, 
they couldn't merchandise without his rights. The Kowalskis filed a lawsuit arguing that everything that Ross did throughout his life could be considered as work for hire, and therefore he could not sign his rights away to anyone. They won this lawsuit, and in a settlement, Steve Ross obtained a guarantee from the Kowalskis that he could resume his artistic career without any lawsuits. After the Kowalskis obtained Ross's rights to his name and his likeness, they began merchandising his brand in a mass marketing manner. This is something that Ross never wanted to do. So he was betrayed by his own business partners after betraying his mentor. Very deep here. Let's talk about his show a little bit. Uh, in 1982, 60 PBS stations picked up the joy of painting for its first season after a Virginia station aired a taping of Bob Ross art class as a pilot. While living in Florida, he would take t- trips to Muncie, Indiana every three months to film episodes of the show, where he did not take a paycheck for the show. Each episode ran roughly 30 minutes, and Ross would teach viewers how to paint using the wet-on-wet style much like Alexander's program. Many fans were astonished by his ability to paint a scene from memory without having sketched beforehand. However, there were actually three versions of every painting that Ross did on the show. The first version was his reference. He would paint before the episode started filming, and he'd use it as a reference to create the on-screen painting. So that's the first two. And then the third and final version was... uh, a more detailed version that he would add to his instructional books. He used his platform to promote his line of art supplies and would often bring animals into the paintings that he used, kind of roping things back to the beginning here. Although the show ended in 1994, it is still very popular and many reruns still air on television. Unfortunately, uh, Bob Ross died on July 4th, 1995 due to complications from lymphoma, 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 I believe is how it's pronounced. Uh, It was caused because he was a lifelong smoker. His plaque in Gotha, Florida reads Bob Ross Television Artist. It has a little, I guess, drawing of his face. It's pretty cool. Look it up on Google. He is uh, still very relevant in pop culture today. Uh, He's been featured in shows like Family Guy and movies like Deadpool 2. And (laughs) again, his television show, uh, Joy of Painting, still airs uh, in many different places. Uh, However, interestingly enough, many... Bob Ross original paintings are very hard to come by because he didn't want them to be sold. He didn't want to make money off of that. He wanted to teach people how to do it, and that's how he earned a living. Uh, Most of their whereabouts are virtually unknown, but uh, it is thought that the Kowalskis and the Bob Ross company are in possession of most of the originals. So that's a little bit about Bob Ross. Just a quick summary here. I don't want to tie you up for too long. Uh, Again, thank you for listening to Conversations with Relevant People. I have been Stephen Bowman. That was a cheesy line. Thanks for listening. Have a good night.